Welcome to the Evolution of Parenting. I'm Yorona. And I'm Robert. And we're both certified life coaches who met during our certification program and realized we had a connection as parents from two different perspectives of the parenting world. Come join us as we navigate the ever-changing landscape of parenting. The role of parenting never stops, but it does change. In fact, it has to change. In order for our children to develop healthy independence, grow into their own lives, and still maintain a relationship with us, we as parents need to recognize when to start letting go of their hands, both literally and metaphorically. We will remain in our children's hearts long after we're gone. If we've developed a strong and healthy relationship with boundaries and a strong sense of autonomy, the whole sum of who we are, not just the role we played, will remain with our children forever. What makes this podcast unique is the parenting perspectives each of us bring to the task, as well as our backgrounds in child development and education. Each episode will explore a different topic related to parenting. We'll share some of our parenting stories, the good, the bad, and the big mistakes, and connect the stories to what we know. Using our backgrounds and experiences, we hope to give you, the listener, some insight and takeaways on how you can relate this to your experiences as a parent. And today's uh, episode is all about motivation. And we'd like to kind of get into this topic uh, by way of a story. So motivation is our why, right? So when we had, uh, after we had our two older children, several years later, we were living in China and we really wanted to adopt a third child. Um, We felt like we had a a lot more to give. Uh, We felt like we had been fairly successful parents. We certainly had the resources to do that. And this isn't about our adopted son per se, but it is about the process. And that is to say, when we adopted it, we had every aspect of our lives analyzed. We had our finances analyzed. We had our background checks done in all the countries that we had lived in, all the the places that we had lived. We had fingerprints done. We had a home visit where the lady talked to me, they talked to my wife, they talked to me and my wife, they talked to me and my wife and my two kids, they talked to the two kids separately. And then she wrote a report based on that. Very, very heavily analyzed situation to allow us to be able to adopt our third child. And there were moments where you kind of look at your spouse and go like, well, couldn't we just have sex and have the third one? Wouldn't that be a lot easier to do? But that's, I just wanted to raise that as a way of getting into today's topic. Uh, The first part of which we want to talk about what motivates you to be a parent? Yeah. And, uh, and just to play that out a little bit further, it's that it's that why behind decision-making at its core, right? The why. um, When we think about parenting, we also, think about, or at least Robert and I think about this, and we're hoping that you will too, what motivates our kids? Right. So, you know, what motivates people as individuals is always very different. And there are two components to motivation that are really important to know. There is intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. So we're talking about what we are motivated to do internally versus what we're motivated to do with external factors. And when a child, when we look at our children and we are trying to, let's say we want them to clean up the room 
and we're asking them to clean up their room, if it's something they enjoy doing, if it's something that comes naturally to them and they're a natural like um, organizer and they like to do that, like my mom used to tease me when um, she was alive, she used to tease me all the time, like remembering that when I was three years old, I'd put my laundry away without even being asked because I liked everything in its place. That for me was my intrinsic motivator. It, I am drawn intrinsically to liking things organized. What's very interesting as a parent is you have to figure that out with your kid. You have to figure out what internally motivates them. And so rather than external factors, which are usually, which are extremely suboptimal and will not last for a very long period of time because it's an external pressure, it's not really about motivation in that moment. It's about compliance. Right. And if you want a child to maintain something long-term, like, learning how to clean up their room for themselves, learning how to make their own lunch, you know, as they get older, um, you know, just taking their dishes to the sink, all of these things, you have to factor that, that into the way that they operate as person. Mm -hmm. If they're not internally motivated, you have to figure out what internally motivates them. So like if your child loves to dance around that, the room and listen to music, one of the ways that you can get them to clean up the room is to put on music and to see like how many songs it'll take to get through as you dance around and clean up, there you, go. you know, or like maybe they like to race with everything. And so it's like, okay, who can get this, these toys cleaned up faster? You know, it's all about learning what intrinsically motivates people. Mm -hmm. and that is an optimal motivator. When it's suboptimal, it's always about the external motivators. And that's really important to remember when we're talking about, um, external motivators that are suboptimal and also never long lasting and provide unfortunately the unintended consequence of not living in in line with who you are intrinsically yeah. so for instance if you if it's important for you you love aesthetics and you love to look really nicely dressed but your child just likes to be comfortable and you constantly are putting, forcing them to wear, or not forcing them, but saying you need to wear a button down shirt and pressed slacks to school. And they just want to be comfortable. Whose motivation is working at here? Mm -hmm. And that's really important to remember because it's the process by which we continue things in our lives. It's the long range decision. It really has that impact on long range decision making. As a, as a former coach, you reminded me that getting someone to do something doesn't mean you motivated them. Yeah. Because if you occupy a position of authority, I can get them to do something. Right. right? Um, but if you see, especially in the coaching world, it's sometimes the more obvious. If you really motivate somebody, you don't have to do a lot of the in-game small corrections. You really can kind of stand back and watch them do what they do best, right? right? If you if you built your coaching career on compliance and just telling them what to do, they will never. They will always look to the sideline for you as a coach to tell them what to do next, right? right? Defense to run or or whatever, what play to set up, as opposed to motivating them and making sure they have the skills to go do what they got to do. So, getting someone to do something is not necessarily motivating them. And I think we have to uh, uh, keep that distinction in mind as we keep going. 
Absolutely. Because it's really important to recognize that, you know, when you're not looking, they're not going to do it too. True. Understand that Absolutely. too, right? It's Absolutely. like, oh, coach isn't watching us. We're all going to just like, you know, kick the ball around a little bit. And then it's like, yeah. coach is watching. Oh no, we got to do it. And it's, it's crazy because too, there's an intimidation factor there as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then because we're social creatures, we're geared to want to fit in as social, uh, as social creatures. Unfortunately, that means that there's going to be times where there is severely suboptimal motivation for a kid to do something dangerous because all of their peers are doing it. Yep. And that is really unhealthy. But when you build up your child's intrinsic motivation, you inherently build up their self-esteem alongside that. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they're less influenced by what others think, what others are doing, what others are feeling, or what others are thinking is right. And they're more in alignment with, with what they feel is at their core values. And right. they and then you live a lot um, more comfortably in life, in your skin, in your own skin, right? Yeah. Yeah. When somebody's being feeling pressured to drink, at a party because all the other underage kids are drinking. Well, but if their parent has helped them build that feeling of like, you know what, I'm going to live in alignment with who I am and this is not something I'm interested in doing, they're not going to do it, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's really funny too, because like as a kid, my friends would do things and I was usually the designated whatever because <laughs> I just would just enjoy the moment for what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it was funny too, because I would also often get like said, oh, Yorona is going to be driving us. And it's like, and somebody would say, well, are, aren't you drinking? I mean, you're acting cuckoo. I'm like, no, I'm just high on life. This is me. This is me. I don't need alcohol. Me. I'm just enjoying it and socializing with my friends and just yeah. being a crazy person. And it didn't matter to me. Yeah. And, and that was really helpful because I was totally in my skin in that moment and not feeling peer pressured to do yeah, something else good. outside. I'm not saying that worked all the time in my life. In fact, it often, there were times where I was overly people pleasing, right? And taking and having a disregard for my own safety, health and well being, mm -hmm. because I felt like I needed to take care of others first. Yeah. And that goes to a really core motivating factor of like, are we really in alignment with that? Are we doing this because somebody else is telling us this is how we have to do it? Mm -hmm. And I'd like to bring this back to parenting because this is where a lot of people get stuck when they think, oh, next steps, I graduate high school, then I go to college or my parents tell me I have to get a, a higher degree mm -hmm. and then I have to get married and then I have to give them grandchildren and I have to, have to, have to. And once again, we're living with this idea of, well, this is a societal norm, so I should just do this. And, but what if you don't want to, what if you want to live alone in a cabin in the woods, you know, what if right, you, right. um, you know, open up a, an animal shelter and have, um, a same sex partner, but your parents are heteronormative, you know, and I, right. I, I hate to bring this into any kind of political debate, so we're not going to go there. Yeah, but, no politics, but it's real. It's real. Understanding your child's motivation means that it goes back to their autonomy of being capable of making those choices for themselves. If they're in alignment with their own motivator motivators and their intrinsic motivation, then they're going to make choices that may be not in alignment with the choices you would make for yourself. Yeah. And that's okay. Absolutely. And one of the, sometimes people ask, well, you're and Robert, 
how do you know? One of the things that I, I've discovered in the trial and error process of figuring out how the heck to motivate my kids, all three of which are very different, was you take it away. Whatever it is you provide, you take it away and see what they do. Mm. So for example, um, there's the whole thing about allowance, right? And we're not going to open up the big, we don't want to debate here. We're not here to debate allowance or not. The point is that providing monetary compensation for doing particular chores around the house has parents on all ends of the all parts of the spectrum in terms of where they land. So a real easy way to try, like, does this, you know, does money motivate my child is you give them money, you ask them to do the chores, they do the chores, they get the money, and then you ask them to do the chores and don't give them money and see how they react, right? Mm -hmm. If that money really is motivating them, they're going to probably react kind of negatively to all of a sudden doing this, you know, they'll call it slave labor kind of stuff around the house right, right. Uh, and getting nothing for it, you know, right. and uh, you know, th they might be upset about that. If they're motivated by the idea of the house being clean and being a contributor to the family being a part, then the money's probably not going to make too much of a difference. Right. Um, even though having, you know, a little extra cash in your pocket, so it's good. So it's not absolute, but one way to figure like is this is x motivating this behavior is to take x away mm, that's a really really good point what happens right and it's a way that we can check our motivation it's a way we can help our kids check their motivation um what happens when you don't have it will you to your point you made earlier will you still do it in the absence of that thing that yeah. we thought was doing the motivating Yes, because uh, then you understand that it's really more about compliance to get what you want and not yeah. giving you a desire to do something for the sake of doing that thing. You know, that's really funny that you say that, too, because Connor is he'll help us in cleaning the house. And we were doing our cleaning. And one day he said, you know, because we all help. We all clean the house up. And I was like, yeah, because from the time he was little, it was like. Um, and when, when I had a nanny, when I was working full-time um, in my other job, I, I needed somebody and she would also, we would, we were really honed into making him be a part of the house cleaning process of the house, you know, uh, cleaning up. So I will tell you this for young parents for, or for parents of young kids, one of the best ways to get your kid interested in wanting to actually clean up the house is number one, make it fun. It's yeah, absolutely. Fun don't be a perfectionist when they're little they're learning if you're like oh that's not the proper way to clean up the table let me tell you something connor had um the spray bottle like when he was young i gave him the spray bottle with the natural stuff in it and he would spray a puddle and it would start dripping off the table and i wouldn't freak out because i was like listen he's enjoying it for the sake of enjoying it that means he's now i'm building his intrinsic motivation because sometimes you know, intrinsic motivation starts with survival, but it goes further from there as people learn themselves. But if you can build that in early and you can make it fun for them, he has a cute little broom and sweeper set and everything and dustpan mm -hmm. and all that. Mm -hmm. And he'll, we'll go around and sometimes he's like, mommy, we've got to clean the house. And I'm like, I don't want to. And he's like, we've got to clean the house. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes yep. he's going to get me moving in that motivation. No, absolutely. When, when I, the kids were younger and I was home with them, um, if I ask them to clean up their toys, they're like, they might grudgingly or they might pick up two and then get distracted. But, and I probably have to insert a slight trigger warning for older parents here. 
if we sang the Barney cleanup song, <laughs> it fundamentally changed the nature of what we were doing. And that's why that song was so effective, even though, and I'm not going to sing it because I don't want people commenting on like, what the heck are you doing? Like I was trying to forget that. Um, yeah. But that cleanup song, that's why it was effective because it was fun. Oh, I'm so tempted to sing it, but I'm not going to. Don't and sing it. Don't sing it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Because then we'll all be singing it. But, but Connor yeah. loves the cleanup song too. It's yeah, true. If, if you can make something fun as opposed to a chore and yes isn't that weird we call them chores that we expect people to want to do them i don't want to do a chore for crying out loud but you know right. if even the language we use can matter absolutely um, and, and certainly you know whether you and whether you to your point whether you tolerate now you know you i was cringing a little bit when you're talking about the puddle because i probably would have just stepped in like let's just keep this on the table first you know just try not to like directly shut them down yeah. but give them a little tighter boundary <laughs> yeah. and everybody it, so that that thing is so unique to everybody's like stuff like old me would have been like no it's got to be done perfectly like yeah. this way but right. new me has a greater awareness of the understanding that what i'm doing here has long-term consequences right. right so if i make connor overly self-conscious about x y and z then he's going to be less wanting to step into that space with me. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I started to live by the philosophy of if it's a mess, it'll eventually, we'll clean it up eventually, you know? Um, and I think that that is really important. Now, that said, I don't like living in a pigsty and I will not tolerate a pigsty. So, sure. you know, I'm like, we're, it's, we've got to clean up your toys. It's, you know, it's time. You've got to clean up your toys. They're your responsibility now. And also this is really important and a huge distinction. At a certain point, you have to stop saying we, we need to do this. We need to oh, yes, yes. That's not yeah. their responsibility. It has to be a part of them. You know, you, okay, Connor, you need to get dressed. Not we need to get dressed mm -hmm. because mommy's already dressed. Then that implies that he always needs me to help him get dressed. Yeah. And it's really him. Now, I find myself catching myself a lot on that, but it really goes to a greater picture, which is that you as a parent have to step away and they have to do it for themselves. So if that's going to be taking place, they need to be capable of taking complete ownership of that. And I'll say this too. There's a very interesting philosophy on motivation. There's um, a theory of the words, I can't. When your kid is doing something and they say to you, I can't do it there are usually three factors backing that up. Mm. And one of them goes to motivation. So I'm gonna talk about these three factors. It's really important takeaway to know. The first is they don't have the knowledge of how to do it. You know, they haven't been taught right. how to do it. The second is they don't have the practice, meaning they don't have, so they don't have the ability to do it. They may have the knowledge, the basic facts of understanding the, the how, mm -hmm. but they haven't applied it yet. So the, this is all about the practice. The ability to do something is all in how much you practice it. Yep. Right. When you first, when you were a little kid and you first started getting yourself dressed, you didn't know how to do your shoes or you put your shoes on the wrong feet or you put your shirt on backwards or, you know, your underwear inside out, et cetera. It's because it's a practice and it's a learning thing. Yep. So you have to have the ability to actually be practicing this. And the last thing is the, I can't of, I don't want to. I don't want to. Yep. And yeah. that is the motivator. Yeah. If they don't want to, the I can't is is behind that drives that is it's not that they can't do it, that they don't have the knowledge or the ability. It's that they haven't practiced it. They haven't 
they you've been doing it for them all this time and they don't want to anymore right or they because, might have something competing with that and yeah yeah, yeah. I think so you the know point about the language i think is incredible um both in not using the royal we yeah you know, we have to clean it up and they're standing there going like well you're not doing anything right well, i really mean you you know well then say that be specific about that yep. and if they say i can't try to get into their heads and say like well are you saying you don't know how or are you saying i can but i'm not very good at it right or to the last point i really don't want to and give them permission to say any or all three of those so that you can better know how to respond because oftentimes we take i can't as a simple oppositional statement right yes. I can't and then is it oh now you're opposing me right now we're having a conflict one well, no they just they're not specific on what they're telling you right and right. your response would hopefully be different for all three of those so yes and they will start to get out of the method of i can't and they'll start right. to say i don't know how right or uh, i'm not good at this so mm -hmm. i don't know how means they don't have the knowledge right i'm not good at this means they haven't practiced it enough connor connor does that a lot and that's because unfortunately a part of his genetic makeup is my perfectionism which <laughs> i am sorry for him or i don't or he'll they'll say i don't want to so right. now when when they start to become more language specific remember kids aren't born with language specificity right so the more specific you can get them to be the more you understand how to address it so give them the opportunity then you know when when connor was a baby we would dress him of course he didn't know how to dress himself what i found myself doing and again i'm going to own this because this was a mistake i made was continuing that mm -hmm. and even now you know he's five he knows how to get himself dressed but sometimes we're in a rush and he's <laughs> like i don't want to go or i don't want to you know like i'm, yeah. I'm not ready to go i don't yeah. want to or sometimes he will fall back on I don't do this well enough and that's yeah. where i worry for him and we try to and i i try to suss that out because it's really important that he understands that you don't have to be perfect to sure. be amazing and to and to eventually get it and I, that's when i fall back on like i was not always good at that you've seen mommy trip over her own two feet you know like yeah then, yeah. It, then it, it reminds him that there's a a process to this yeah you um, might continues and pushes forward his motivation to and desire to actually do it for himself. Yeah, you might have to tolerate stripes and plaids if they're choosing it for themselves and they're getting themselves dressed. You might just like give it just a little bit, you know, I mean, deal with it later. But, uh, you know, it, it was interesting as you're hearing you speak, I'm thinking about the three kids that I have and how they have three, I really believe three separate or motivational systems that they're operating under our oldest daughter um maybe because she was the oldest or whatever you know as an oldest child of myself maybe i did this to her um she really did have motivation that was very consistent with what motivated my wife and i mm -hmm. right she wanted to get good grades she wanted to keep her room clean she wanted you know these things and these were very consistent with what we had uh, in ourselves we're like Oh, great. So, you know, when we had the second child, we learned Austin was motivated very differently. Academically, a quick story, academically, Austin liked to get good grades. He enjoyed the, you know, the attention that it got him in the very competitive school he was in, but he was very calculating about it. Austin would look at the syllabus 
decide that the homework is only 5%. If I've got a if I've got a 95 average in the class and this is only 5%, I can only go down to 90 and I still get an A. It's all good. He's very, very calculating about yeah. when we would say, Austin, have you done your homework? He was like, I don't need to do my homework. You know, it's only 5% of my grade. He was very, very conflicted, uh, calculating about that. And our youngest son, you know, to be honest with you, we're still trying to figure it out. He just has academics are just not, um, they don't land with him and they don't you know good grades, uh, honor roll, things like that. Don't give him reason to exert a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. And it's completely cool. But what I didn't anticipate was when we when we sorted it out a little bit in the beginning with our with Chelsea, our oldest, we pivoted to Austin and that didn't work. I'm like, oh my gosh, what do we do now? Because we thought we had figured out the motivation thing. And then we had two of them. So we had this bank of motivations that when we turned to Jason, our youngest, we're like, wait a minute, none of these are really working. What do we do now? So it is to say that the range of motivations, it's not narrow. It's pretty wide. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you can't extrapolate from one kid to the other. And the more kids you have, the more complex that gets. <laughs> because, someone, well, why did you give Johnny five bucks for doing the chores when I do the chores for nothing? Well, that's what motivates Johnny, you know? Right. It's so crazy. And it, it's funny. Um, I think this is something that we did that we're now trying to walk back on. So. I'm going to admit another another failing here, another failure. It's all good. When Connor was really little, we would take him to the grocery store with us. And I was determined not to give him a device to have him occupied or anything like that. In fact, I hated that little pouch in the front of the, the cover for the cart. That oh, yeah. there was a, There's a clear pouch. I didn't even know what it was. I actually right. asked Carl. We were like, we, I put it in the very first time and I see this pouch there. And I'm like, what's that for? And Carl says, oh, it's for your foot. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. Nope, not doing it. Sorry. Coupons. We're going to put the coupons in there. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? Because it was right in front of Connor. I was like, you know what? He can have a little raisins or Cheerios in here just to keep him whatever. He can have his toys next to him. That's fine. And then as he got older and he started walking, we got this wagon for him. And he would drag it through the grocery store. And he would help us picking out the, the produce, picking out the stuff, put it in his wagon. Nice. Now he's got like this um, collapsible stroller thing. And I'm like, yeah, you can use that as your wagon. And, you know, he'll push that on. But one thing that was slightly detrimental was when he started having some tantrums in the grocery store, Mm. we accidentally started buying him these little Hot Wheels cars. It, it happened one day, Carl was trying to keep him occupied while I was trying to get all the stuff done. And he was, he, they went over to the toy area and boom. And then it became a thing. So what we've done in recent months and, and like over the last like year or so is we now say, okay, this is not a we're buying toys day. This is, we need our groceries. And he always, he'll say when he's in a really bad mood, he'll be like, why do you and daddy always get to get what you want, but I don't get what I want. Oh, oh wow. Truth bomb. He's really sick. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, honey, this, it's not about what we want. It's about what we need. Our grocery shopping is what we need because we need our food to be able to live on. Um, so that goes through a whole conversation. But what we've now done is we'll, I, I, in, in, incorporated this idea of window shopping. So I'm like, all right, or we can go window shopping. We go over to the aisle and he'll pick up the things he's interested in and we'll take pictures of it. 
Right. And then we say, okay, if this is something you're interested in, then that can go on your gift list. So when it's your birthday, when it's the holidays, when it's appropriate times for you to buy, get gifts, we know what you like. Mm -hmm. And he's totally on it. Now, does he push us on occasion? Yes. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> he absolutely does. And because he knows that there have been times where I've accidentally caved or dad's accidentally caved. Mm -hmm. So we're still trying to work away from our way away from that permissive parenting style of like mm -hmm. giving it to really ensure that we're balanced. Parenting means that we have to give him that understanding that it's not always going to be about what you want. Mm -hmm. and and that helps him because at least he gets something out of it. The idea of taking a picture with it. And sometimes he'll start posing with the thing. <laughs> he likes taking pictures. So, or I'll let him try to take the picture. And so at least we're kind of feeding into some of his motivation to keep him moving forward with the shopping. Yeah. yeah. And it and that's helps. Not, yeah. That's not to say that extrinsic motivation doesn't work. Right. right. We know it does. Right. What we're saying is it doesn't have a long-term effect and it probably doesn't get you where you want to be in the long term. When I was you know, when I was growing up, I played baseball. Yeah. And there was one particular season where for some reason, and I don't know how where it came, but mom said, Hey, for every hit you get in the game, I'll buy you a milkshake. I think my batting average was like 979 or something like that. I mean, it was like insane. Like, oh, I'm getting a milkshake, whack. You know, I'm getting a milkshake, whack. You know, do I get multiple shakes for multiple hits in the game? Whatever. But, I mean, it it worked. It was something like – because the extrinsic motor, it, it, I just thought about it a little bit more, maybe worked a slightly bit harder. But did it make my batting technique that much better in the long run? No, it didn't really have that effect. But – in the moment it worked right because it, it was very very satisfying for me um cost her some money uh on the other side but you know like i said my you know for that particular season my batting average was good um you bring in a very good point there too because what we're saying is that while extrinsic motivators are suboptimal because right. in the long term they don't really function we do realize that as human beings sometimes we have to have that i mean why do we all have alarm clocks that go off in the morning <laughs> you know some people do get jump out of bed bright and early but for those of us who are not morning people right an external motivator <laughs> to move our tushies out of that bed and yep. that's okay because what we're saying is that you know, we need to look at things from that long-term and short-term perspective of, well, okay, I know my house needs to be cleaned. Why does my house need to be cleaned? It needs to be cleaned right. because that also keeps us healthy. Right. So when you think about the long-term range effects, you think, okay, how clean does it need to be? But all of these things really come into where you're willing to compromise in your motivation. Yeah, exactly. Now, one thing where you, you can't compromise is in the desire to have an actual child that's True. so one thing that i will say because this is something robert and i talked about previously but before we go i just leave you with this once you decide to have a child with your partner you both need to be intrinsically motivated to the 100%. decision to have that child 100 percent. that's really important because if it's something you're being extrinsically pushed to do you are going to cause long-term painful ramifications for that person being brought into the world. Yep. And there will be mental health issues, you know, uh, trauma and pain that will just re replicate on themselves. Yeah. 
it so is the one thing that you can't defer yeah. to your partner. You really do need to be engaged because it is the one thing, unlike buying a car, a house, or the latest iPhone, um, which come and go, you know, the child will be in the world until the child passes away. Yeah. So you're making a, a rather permanent decision and the child will have effects in the world that perhaps the, the house, the car, the iPhone will have. So it's fundamentally different um, uh, purchasing in air quotes decision, uh, if you will, it is the one thing that you really can't defer and say, okay, whatever, because okay, whatever might lead you into a situation where you don't want to be later. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that will have ramifications on the other human beings. Yeah, for sure. So when we, when we talk about motivation, we talk about it from a multitude of different angles, but that at the heart of it, it's like once you think about motivation from a parenting perspective, you gain a greater awareness and understanding that your role as a parent is even more impactful than sometimes people realize. It's not just about keeping your kid alive yeah. and you know giving them financial means, but yeah. it's about really helping motivate them as a human being in a, as a part of society absolutely yeah oh, i hope we didn't dive too deep on that one but <laughs> on that note we are going to say happy parenting people and may the evolution of your parenting skills be always and forever in your favor always <laughs>